Hello, and welcome to Hospitality Speaks Podcast, where we interview top leaders in the travel and leisure business. Join us as we explore the latest trends in the industry and discover what it takes to lead the pack. And now, please welcome your hosts, Ryan Reese and Tommy Botts. Hi, hoteliers. I'm Tommy Botts, and welcome back to Hospitality Speaks. I'm here today with my co-host, Ryan Reese. Hey, everybody. We had a great time speaking with Jeff Dziak, General Manager of the Knickerbocker last time. And today we're welcoming Joe Kelly, General Manager of Water's Edge Resort and Spa in Westbrook, Connecticut. We really appreciate the opportunity to speak to you today, Mr. Kelly. So let's start off with a little bit about yourself. First off, how did you break into the industry? Um, I um, got a summer job working at a country club uh, in Westchester County outside of New York City um, when I was probably a sophomore in high school. And uh, that's what got me interested in the, in the hospitality business. And then I went on to school and studied hotel management. And uh, I've been in it ever since. Great. So um, at uh, Water's Edge Resort and Spa, what would you say is maybe the most challenging element of your daily routine? Right now it's staffing. Um, there are labor shortages, as you probably know, in all industries, but uh, it seems to be hitting the hospitality industry especially hard. Um, a lot of people, when, you know, when, when business stopped back in March of 2020, a lot of people obviously were laid off in the hospitality industry and a lot of those people have not returned. Um, which is kind of a mystery, I think. Nobody seems to quite know where they all are, but um, uh, it's, it's clearly, you know, it's a business that relies on people. It can't be done through automation. It's gotta be done with real live people. And uh, that's clearly the biggest issue we're facing right now, along with, you know, supply chain problems and trying to, trying to get some of the things you need to run a hotel every day. So we saw um, that you've also worked at, uh, branded hotels and also are currently working at an independent hotel. So what are some of the key differences in terms of your role and your team's role that differ from working in say a Marriott versus a unbranded hotel? Sure. That's a great question. Um, the biggest difference is when you're in a branded property, like a, a Marriott or a Sheraton or a Hilton property, um, you're following a lot of the guidelines and standards that are created by the brand itself. Um, so, you know, those brands, in order to have uh, continuity in the product and the service, they set specific standards and procedures that you have to follow. Um, when you're in an independent property, like a resort like Water's Edge, um, you don't have that guidebook. You kind of create it on your own and um, I'd say there's cons to it. You can be, you can certainly be creative, and you can, you can be very nimble in making making decisions because you're able to work outside of, of a brand. Uh, uh, on the flip side, uh, you do have to kind of doing everything's done on your own. You don't you don't have the guidebook or the, uh, the SOPs that you have within within a brand structure. So it's more entrepreneurial, and it's more. Um, you have to think on your feet and, and be able to uh, make, make decisions without somebody of kind of help, helping you along. Right. And but as far as working with a brand, would you say that things like revenue management and loyalty programs are a big advantage for 
when you work with a brand? Uh, there's no question. Um, that, that is certainly one of, and you probably hear this consistently from some of the other interviewed, but um, uh, the, the structure and the, the guidance that you can get from within a brand is, is really valuable. You know, they have, they have the opportunity to see thousands of hotels are operating and what they do well and what they don't do well. And when you can take that kind of a, a database of knowledge and apply it to your specific hotel, it's a huge help. You're, you're not learning from scratch every, every time. And the rewards program, I mean, there's a, there's a tremendous loyalty to these programs that it's up now for decades. And um, uh, it's clearly a differentiator. There are people who are so loyal to the brand, you know, they'll stay on the other side of a, of a town or a city just to stay in the brand that, uh, that they get their problems. So um, that gives you a very distinct advantage over, over independent hotels. I, I think what you do lose though is with independent hotels, you know, they can be very unique um, physically or services or, um, you know, for people who don't want that, that kind of same old, same old cookie cutter style of a, of a hotel, the, the independents definitely have an advantage there. And they have a following of people who don't want to stay in a, in a standard kind of hotel. You spoke previously about these brand standards and that the brands obviously carefully manage their experience using these. So does that make your job easier or harder? Um, it's probably somewhere in between. Um, it is certainly, as I said earlier, it's certainly easier to be able to go to a guideline and say, and including not just a guideline, but including the steps to implement those guidelines. You know, the brands give you, tend to give you very detailed instructions on how to, how to accomplish something or how to add a feature uh, to your hotel. If you used, for example, like mobile check-in, mobile check-in is not something I could create as the GM of a hotel on my own. The technology is uh, very sophisticated and you know looking at looking at mobile for example you know installing that into an independent hotel where you'd have to go out and find the platform to do it and get the customer to to download it and to use it versus the mobile that's available from like Hilton or or Marriott um, there's not really a comparison so I, I'd say it's falls somewhere in between I think what it if there was a downside uh, to it, it's um, it does take away some creativity. So balance, you know, you lose some of your creativity and some of your independence. What you gain is a, a tremendous amount of of um, of data and experience that that comes from from what the brands are able to do. Yeah, and then so have you or the owners maybe ever considered putting the water's edge into a brand maybe would it make sense for a soft brand like autograph from marriott or unbound from hyatt i know those are some popular ones today um i think that gets looked at all the time um and in the case in the case of water's edge um, we've had conversations about it we have we have probably a unique situation we do have a unique situation in this particular resort in that a large number of the uh, of the rooms are timeshare units so they're, they're bought by an owner on a weekly basis. And uh, so a big chunk of our inventory is, is in timeshares. So it would not be a great fit for us. 
having said that, if we didn't have those timeshares and we had 200 typical hotel rooms and suites, um, uh, a brand is, is, is definitely worth looking at. But you really have to weigh the costs. You know, they are, they are quite expensive to put a hotel into a brand. If you just thought, for example, of all the things you'd have to do at the water's edge, just to brand it, you know, to, to put a Marriott name or something like that on it would be, would be onerous. And then, you know, the brands to their credit, um, they wanna make sure the product is good. So they're gonna come in and look at a hotel and they're gonna say, if you wanna put a Marriott brand on this, uh, you're gonna have to spend money to upgrade it, whether it's the air conditioning systems or the furniture or the services. So um, owners, owners have to make that decision. And you can see owners are making decisions going both ways. There's, they're joining uh, brands, but they're also leaving brands and deciding to, to run as independents or, or as a soft brand, which seems to be the, the way a lot of them are going nowadays. We would imagine that the, the business at the water's edge could be quite seasonal given the location and Connecticut's weather. Uh, it's might snow here. I'm not sure what it's doing there. So how do you drive uh, revenue during the winter months? And does the mix of guests change throughout your hotel? Yeah, that's, that's a great question, guys. It's, it's a very seasonal property. Um, we do stay open year round. Um, some of our competitors up here in this market actually close for a portion of the, of the winter. Um, we do stay open. You have to get very creative uh, to find business uh, at a resort location in the winter, um, a summer resort location in the winter. Uh, one of the things we do is a lot of food and beverage promotions um, to the local community. And one thing that this hotel has been very successful at is um, they do, we do a series of, of tribute shows, which are basically kind of like cover bands for famous bands. So like the Eagles or uh, Journey, those, those types of things. We do those on the weekends, um, bring in these bands and it's basically a dinner show with a band, but it drives hotel rooms revenue as well because people do come from quite a distance to, to see it. So wherever you, whatever you're doing in an independent, especially um, in a seasonal resort, you got to get very, very creative to find business in the, in the winter. And having said that, it's nowhere near the volume of business that you do, you know, in your, in your high season. So you really do probably 75 or 80% of your business in your high season, which for us basically is from May till the end of September into October. Um, after that, you got to kind of hunker down, watch your expenses and, um, you know, manage, manage to get ready for the next season again. Sure. And, uh, now, if you were given an opportunity to rev uh, renovate one area of the hotel today, uh, what would it be and why? Uh, good question. Um, we've spent a substantial amount of our capital dollars in the recent years uh, in our meeting space and our function space. It's a big selling point for us. We do, we do about $7.5 million in catering business on a total revenue of about $20 million. So catering is a big piece of our business. And we've invested a lot in that, in that area. So the next, the next area that's going to receive attention is going to be the guest rooms. And um, this winter, they're getting a, a partial renovation. They're in pretty good shape, but they're going to get a partial renovation with new carpet, new curtains, uh, reupholster the furniture. 
uh, get them through for another, let's say four or five years until they'll probably need a full renovation. If I had my wish, uh, if my wish could come true, I would, uh, I would love to rip out all the bathrooms and put in a brand new state-of-the-art bathroom, but uh, it is a very time-consuming, very labor-intensive, very, very expensive uh, part of part of hotel renovation. So the next thing we're going to do is, is definitely focused on the guest room product. So you talked about how uh, important meeting space and uh, groups are for you being in it, or how important they are for you. I don't know if this was pre-pandemic or currently, but I was wondering how the pandemic has affected those groups. And have you seen a return in group and meeting travelers? And if not, have you tried, how have you tried to make up for these lost guests? Yeah, so our business comes from, uh, from two sources, primarily for this particular hotel, it does a tremendous amount of social business. So weddings specifically. Um, and what we saw in 2020 was just an explosion in the wedding business, primarily because, uh, I'm sorry, in 2021, uh, with so many weddings being postponed in 2020 due to the pandemic, um, we were doing not just, not just the weddings from, from 2020, but all weddings we booked for 2021. So. We did over 112, I think we did 114 weddings, which if you figure they start in April and they go till about November, uh, some days we were doing, some weekends we did two weddings on a Friday, two on a Saturday, two on a Sunday, uh, virtually every day of the week in the summer, um, every weekday, not, not every weekday, every week, but we did a wedding on a weekday. We did every single weekday <laughs> in the calendar. Um, we did a Monday wedding, which, which no one had ever seen before. Um, so that's a, that's a huge piece of our business and which a huge benefit for us. What we didn't see and what is still not coming back is the corporate meeting business. You know, the, the sales meeting or the regional meeting of managers. Um, we saw some upturn in that business in the early part of the fall when things seemed like they were improving. Um, but a number of those meetings um, postponed or canceled, you know, as things became less, less clear. And that's, that's continuing now going into the, the first quarter as companies, um, you know, have started to scale back again. Uh, the fact that they're not back in their offices is usually a good indicator that they're not going to be getting together for uh, coming to a hotel meeting room for meeting space. They're going to be meeting just the way you and I are right, right now, most likely. Sure. So, and can you possibly maybe walk us through uh, a day at Water's Edge, maybe in your position or um, somebody else that works there, just what they do maybe from morning to night and not on a day where there's a wedding, let's say. All right. Yeah. Um, I think most GMs have somewhat of a routine, uh, I think. Um, you know, you're connected to your your emails and your phone all the time, which is uh, so you, you don't it's it's not like it was years ago when you walked in and not quite sure what to expect. Now you kind of have an idea what's going on. Uh, you've probably looked at last night's numbers already, or that might be the first thing you do. You come in and take a look at, you know, how did we do last night? What was the occupancy? What did we do in sales and food and beverage? Um, it's very much a business, though, where I think to be successful, you got to be visible and you got to be out walking around. So I would spend the first part of my day, I pretty much cover the whole hotel. Um, 
I'd go visit the housekeeping department. I'd go check the laundry. I'd visit the kitchens, you know, get, get kind of familiarized with what's, how are we doing? Are we staffed okay? What do we have today? You know, what do we have an event or is it a quiet day that we can focus on doing something else? Um, I definitely will walk the grounds and uh, make sure everything looks, looks the way it should. You really have to kind of, you know, you got to keep an eye on things if you, if you, uh, if you want to make sure the hotels looks its best for, for the customers. Um, there's meetings, although, you know, we try to keep them to a minimum because in our business, the best place for us to be is out in, with our customers and with guests. And, um, but, you know, we have to run a business as well. So um, we're always looking at our financials. Scheduling um, is a big part of our responsibilities. Depending on the hotel, um, a fair amount of time has to go into revenue management every day, especially if you're in a market like an urban market or, or an airport market where, you know, changes need to be made you know, almost continuously with, with rates and, and adjusting some of the channels that are open and closed. So that's, that's usually a part of, of my day. Um, but it's really going around and making sure that the, the folks that are running the hotel all day have the, the tools that they need and they're getting the support that they need. So it's a, uh, I've looked at my phone at the end of the day some days, and especially in a resort like this, and I've walked seven or eight miles, um, you know, just from going from one end of the hotel to the other or down to the beach or whatever it might be. So, um, um, but you kind of never know what's coming either, right? You know, it's a, it's a business that you're, you're never quite sure what's, what's around the corner because you're dealing with guests and you're dealing with, with employees. So, uh, you know, it's easy to say no two days ever seem quite the same. So you talked a little bit, of, you said uh, you talked about revenue management. So uh, I worked in a hotel over the summer and they had a, uh, or a resort over the summer and they had a, they had their book or list of rates and dates just on a little spreadsheet and it did not change. It was on a sheet of paper and that was it. I was wondering how your resort revenue manage, whether it's outsourced to an outside company or you do it in house or how that works at your resort. In our case, we do it in-house, um, and we, we happen to have a very predictable uh, business model. We know, we know that we're going to be busy. We know we're going to be full in the summertime from Thursday through Sunday. Um, this past summer, we ran 97% occupancy, so we were full almost every day, and that, that was clearly somewhat related to COVID because a lot of guests would tell us that they might have planned a trip that would have required air, you know, an air a flight to Europe or, or to South America or something like that. And a lot of people opted not to fly or couldn't fly, and they stayed in a more within like a driving distance of their of their home. So that that was what really pushed our business up this year. But having said that, we don't just set our rates and leave them there. We 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 look. And in our case, we look a few times a week. We don't really have to look every day, but we look a few times a week and we look at what our competitive set hotels are. We have two, we have two resort properties that are you know, not too far from us, but we also would sometimes look up into like Newport, Rhode Island. Sometimes we take a look at Cape Cod because we know that those could potentially be customers that we could draw out of like the New York or the Boston markets. Um, so we did adjust our rates and we, we could see, for example, that 
in August, which is a time that typically starts to slow down as kids go back to school, we could see that that slowing wasn't happening this year. And as a result, we lifted our rates at the beginning of August um, pretty aggressively. And, um, you know, revenue management's kind of a science, but there's some gut to it as well. So the idea was, let's test the rate and see if it gets, if it, if it sells, if it doesn't sell, we adjust it accordingly, but it did sell. So, um, and we put in like a $30 rate increase at the beginning of August and carried it right through till our season came to an end in, in, in October. Well, thank you so much for your time. Water's Edge is certainly a remarkable property. And uh, we at Hospitality Speaks wish you and your staff the best of luck. And for the rest of you, tune in next time.